The Don Crow Show on WAVA. In a recent column published at his own organization's website, IPI.org, my guest this hour said at least three things we need to know about the Biden administration's clean energy subsidies. Three statements that he cited from the Wall Street Journal uh, telling us what we need to know as to what they're up to in terms of being part of Washington's push toward clean energy. To let us know what it's all about, our good friend Dr. Merrill Matthews, resident scholar at the research-based public policy think tank I just mentioned, the Institute for Policy Innovation. Merrill, it's been a while since we've chatted last. Welcome. Well, thank you, Don. It's good to be back with you. Always good to talk with you, my friend, and your colleagues there at IPI. You say there are three things that the Wall Street Journal column tells us about that we really need to know about. What are these three areas of subsidy that ought to be of concern to us? Right. This is a recent article in the Wall Street Journal talking primarily about hydrogen, but it's generally in the broader context of the Inflation Reduction Act that provides $370 billion to try to uh, promote green energy, climate change solutions, and things of that nature. And incidentally, most of that uh, $370 billion goes to $216 billion go to corporations, only $43 billion or so will go to individuals. But here's a, here's a statement from the Wall Street Journal. Business, I'm, I'm quoting, businesses large and small are repositioning themselves to try to capture some of the tidal wave of government cash from the new law dubbed the Inflation Reduction Act signed into law last year. And the point there is the federal government is providing so much in the way of subsidies, both to corporations and individuals, that companies are out there saying we, they're seeing dollar signs, but it's not by cons- pleasing consumers. It's by pleasing the government in attracting some of this government subsidy that you and I as taxpayers are supporting. It's just amazing. Of course, he speaks hyperbolically with so much of this. You quote him as saying when he signed the thing, The Inflation Reduction Act invests $369 billion to take the most aggressive action ever, 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 ever in confronting the climate crisis and strengthening our economic, our energy security. That's the fallback, isn't it, Merrill? Again and again, when they want to justify something, it's always couched against the crisis of global warming and the climate crisis that we theoretically are facing. That's absolutely right. So they they couch it in a crisis, and they've got to throw a lot of money at it. And when you do that, as I said in that uh, that first quote, uh, companies start repositioning themselves in order to be able to try to capture some of this. And we've seen that. Ford, GM have both come out and said they're going to – they're essentially trying to – I think Ford was – Ford, I believe, was going to try to have roughly half of their new cars uh, being electric vehicles by 2025, I think it is. They're, they're, not, they're not doing that well hitting their goal, but GM is doing the same thing. So once corporations see all this federal money coming out, they want to try to get, in, uh, get their hands on that and try to uh, – uh, take advantage of it, and so, and then another subsidy, uh, another uh, a quote from one of the analysts uh, in the Wall Street Journal. The analyst says the big risk is throwing out massive subsidies that don't do anything, and that's just exactly it, Don. I mean, you start throwing out this money, and everybody wants to get in line, and they make they make 
pleas that we're trying to do this, we're going to try to do this or that or the other thing to meet this. The government starts handing out the money in various ways, and then a lot of the companies go under. Uh, they can't reach their goal. They're missing their uh, production uh, quotas and so forth, and so a lot of this money essentially just gets wasted. Well, explain this to me, because I certainly a novice in these matters, especially when it comes to the shift to electricity that we're being forced to consider when all the evidence, it seems to me, I don't see the logic. I mean, we have California, Newsom out there forcing people into electric cars and these companies that are doing it, not because they really, I don't think they're doing it because they really believe the climate crisis is in fact genuine, but because of, you've well described it's where the bucks are. Right. That, that's exactly right. And the, uh, the, the problem is that less than 1% of the vehicles on the road in the United States today, whether we're talking about cars, trucks, SUVs, less than 1% are electric vehicles. And so you've got a long way to go to try to essentially make all of them electric vehicles. And, of course, a number of the cars that are on the – well, it's still a small percentage, but Toyota had the Prius. You had the hybrids that would use both electric technology as well as gas. But I was just listening to NPR earlier today where they were citing the Sierra Club and other environmentalists who, who are critical of Toyota – for continuing with their hybrid cars, they think that's a terrible thing to do. They want them all to go electric, uh, fall electric. And the problem there, of course, is a lot of people don't want them. You don't have the charging stations. Some of that's changing. But it's just you don't have a system set up to meet those needs or to uh, please the consumers, and yet the government's trying to force us into doing that. And because the consumers have been so reluctant to do this so far, the government's going to take steps to, in essence, to try to make us do it. A few more minutes of conversation with Dr. Merrill Matthews. What you need to know about government's clean energy subsidies, the old, old saying, just follow the money. And that's the dynamic that plays best here in Washington. And, and of course, across the corporate world as well, Merrill. First thing you mentioned, businesses large and small repositioning themselves to try to capture some of this tidal wave of government cash. They came out of the Inflation Reduction Act, signed into law last year. And then the second one was the big risk of throwing out massive subsidies that don't do anything. But there's a third one that you mentioned as well. Right. And that's the and I'm quoting here again from a, a person who's in the, the energy industry, uh, electric energy industry. There's a lot of self-serving behavior being driven by the availability of a really juicy subsidy. And you got to know that's right. When uh, subsidies are out there, it affects pe- the way people uh, make decisions. And, and Don, just to be clear, this isn't a knock on electric vehicles. Uh, I have some friends who have electric vehicles. I think most of them are Teslas. And if you uh, if you live probably in an urban area, you don't have to drive that much, uh, and you like that uh, that option. It works for you, and you have the income, usually a substantial income, to be able to afford one. That's great. I have no problem with that at all. The problem is the federal government deciding, our betters deciding, that what we need to do is we all need to be in electric cars, regardless of what our consumer needs are, and then using taxpayer funds to try to push that. And I'll mention one other thing. See, CNN came out with an article just uh, just 10 days ago, and the title is, A Subsidy Arms Race is Kicking Off Between Europe and America. And it's absolutely right. One of the things that's happening is the Europeans are looking at this, and they're upset at the 
federal government throwing so much subsidy money behind U.S., largely U.S. companies, to try to encourage the creation and production and sale of electric vehicles. And so the European Union has appropriated $270 billion to be able to go to European countries to try to compete and, uh, in essence, try to uh, uh, do their own. It's essentially a protectionist industrial policy going on started by the U.S. and now being followed by the European Union. Well, you close the column with this important sentence. The point is there may be a growing market for clean energy. There may be. But that market is being invigorated and sustained more by government money than consumer demand. And if and when the government dollars for clean energy declines, don't be surprised if the demand does also. I mean, that's just common sense. Nobody's screaming for electric cars except the government's bottom line, right? That's right, and that's and that's where the subsidy are. Several years ago, Warren Buffett uh, he was using Berkshire Hathaway to invest in uh, uh, wind turbines, and he said the only reason to do it is because of the tax credit. Federal dollars, taxpayers go. were subsidizing it, so Berkshire Hathaway decided to invest in wind turbines. And so it's, if, the, if the government is subsidizing this, it, re, it repositions how people are thinking about it, and a lot of companies want to go after those subsidies because you don't have to please millions of consumers. You only have to please a few bureaucrats. On that note, we'll break, but good to talk with you, my friend. As always, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Dr. Merrill Matthews, resident scholar at IPI, the Institute for Policy Innovation. You can check them out at that website, ipi.org, ipi.org. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 